Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two illustrious co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies in a modern cinematic context. If this is your first time listening to us, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And on today's episode, we will be discussing the 1984 film Amadeus. Are we going to appall you with something confidential and disgusting? Let's hope so, because that is what you really like. Unconfessed crimes of buried wickedness. If that is what brings you to us, the prospect of hearing horrors, you shall not go unrewarded. I don't believe it. The whole city is talking. You hear it all over. What a story. What a scandal. What a comedy. What a tragedy. Incredible. I don't believe it. Who can believe it? What horrors have you heard? Tell us. Tell us. Tell us at once. Tell us about Wolfgang. Amadeus. Mozart. 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 <laughs> First off, I want to start this episode by saying we are recording on Groundhog's Day, and it is both <laughs> ridiculous. Groundhogs or Groundhog? Groundhog. I'm pretty sure there's no S. Steven Tobolowsky always says uh, Groundhog's Day. And that's weird because he's in the movie, talks about it. And he talks about it incorrectly. I bring this Mm -hmm. up because we talk about old movies, we're recording on Groundhog Day, and we're not doing Groundhog Day. (laughs) Well. I think the fault lies with you, Dave. I'm saying the fault is all yours. Yeah. yeah, It slipped my mind. (laughs) But instead we are talking about Amadeus. Beethoven. Uh, For Beethoven's Day. No, it's not Beethoven. You clearly didn't watch the movie. Ah, Mozart. (laughs) I was like, what movie are you... Oh, my God. I watched the other one. (laughs) Mike watched a movie about a large dog, a St. Bernard, (laughs) directed by Ivan Reitman. Oh, there's a Beethoven movie. Um, Yeah, that's what he was referring to. Oh, boy. We are getting off to a great start today. No, I mean, there's one called Immortal Beloved that's a Beethoven movie. Oh, sorry. Anyway, getting back on track. uh, (laughs) We're talking about Amadeus, and Dave suggested we do Amadeus because it's cold, and in his theory, this is a good movie for cold weather because it's... It's three hours long, mm-hmm. and you can curl up on a couch and watch a, a good long movie. I have, yeah. as Mike would say, a good meal when yeah, it comes meal. to watching uh, yeah. movies. Now, Amadeus is a movie that came out in 1984. It was directed by Milos Forman, mm-hmm. um, and it stars F. Murray Abraham and uh, Tom Hulse. Tom Hulse. Hulse? I don't I know how to pronounce his name. Hulse. He doesn't know either. Um, and the movie swept the Oscars the year it came out. It's been critically acclaimed. It is currently number 90 in IMDb's top 250 of all time wow. movie list. So it is a very well acclaimed movie. So getting off into the, this discussion, I mean, we can just kind of say it's clear this movie ha, you know, has been acclaimed and is well recognized and is te- in, on a totally objective level, this is a good movie, right? Like, you know, it's been awarded and... Well. It, so, Let's find out. So my question to you, Mike, I'm going to start with you. I'm guessing this is your Are first time seeing word? this. Are we the final word? I think so. <laughs> no, my question for Mike is, if this movie is objectively good, for you watching it for the first time, is it subjectively good in your opinion? And um, for being a three-hour movie, I will uh, return to um, the ever-popular gladiator quote, were you entertained? <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it was subjectively good. I liked it. Okay. Uh, and... Um, I, I think I, I'm trying to think what it is I, I enjoyed most about it. I think just overall, I think it's just very well done in every category. I think the acting is great, especially the guy who plays uh, Salieri, who's which actor is that? I don't know. It's F. F. Murray Abraham. The, oh, okay. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, he was phenomenal. I think he mm-hmm. he pretty much carried a lot of it. Uh, Tom Hulse is great too. Mm-hmm. Um, laugh was a little, yeah, a little. If I have any gripe <laughs> about the movie, it's laugh was a little theatrical, it was a little like too over the top. But I think that's kind of the point. I think his character is supposed to be a little bit like colorful. Um, I think that laugh was carried over from the actual play that this is based on. I think. Ooh, they, they, okay. I think. That, I think. Dropping some knowledge. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean it's great. It's it's good. I mean, I I wished it was true. I think they took some liberties with a lot of stuff. Well, let's, let's get it, into but, that real quickly. Let me just. The movie is called Amadeus. It's right, about mm-hmm. supposedly the life of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Wolfgang. but it's but it's framed uh, by his. Uh, rival, mm-hmm. uh, uh, this uh, Italian composer Salieri, yeah. who um, 
has a great hatred for Mozart, and it's told at the end of Salieri's life, reflecting on his experience dealing with Mozart while he was alive and composing. Right. Um, it's, so, told, it's told as a confession, right, to, to a priest. Right. Right. Uh, so it is very much a bio-picture, but as you said, Mike, it is a fictional bio-picture because yeah. a lot of it's not true. Right? Yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of built around it. There's, there was legends that mm. there was a great rivalry between them. Some people like, cite examples as to like why they, Mozart has written letters to his father saying that Salieri was like blocking his every turn at trying mm. to get, become big in Vienna. Other people say there was never really anything. They were both great composers. Neither one of them hated each other. So it's really, it's kind of murky. No one really knows exactly, or mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, uh, people on both sides. Um, no one really knows if Salieri actually poisoned him. They said that when he went, he became older and w- became delusional. He claimed that he poisoned Mozart, but mm. no one really knows for sure. They think he might have just become sick. Mm. Um, that being said, I, I, I still, I mean, just the character of Salieri for me is like the. I, I think it's the center point of the whole movie. I think he's a very interesting villain um, because as much as he hates and envies Mozart, at the same time he also has this profound. I don't know if it's respect, it's, it's envy, but he, he just recognizes genius and he sees it and it just, it kills him to see how genius he goes to every one of his shows, every single showing of the same show. Mm. Um, just, I mean, he, he'd sit there and really appreciate the absolute genius of this guy, which for me, I mean, I, to want to murder something that's cr- someone who's creating that kind of stuff is like beyond me. I think like wanting to stop the flow of whatever is creating that, you know? Mm. Um, but I think it's, just, it's a very interesting. I, I think his character is very well developed. I think he's a very complex character, and I think he's very real. Mm-hmm. I, I, when he's sitting there, you know, I can only imagine what this guy's going through when he's sitting here listening to the music and he's just burning alive because it's brilliant. He recognizes it's brilliant, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, I just be so hateful of this man. I just, yeah, I, I think for me that that really. And one more thing, I think it's a movie really for people who love Mozart because there's so much of, of the plays. And the, the music, music is a character, is the third yeah, star of the movie. Really? Say, yeah. yeah, because they could I think they could have cut it down to two and a half hours or, or well, less if they took some. The original I, was actually closer to two and a half. Unfortunately, the the, the cut we watched was the director's cut. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah I actually looked that up as I was watching it. Yeah. Uh, we did all watch the director's cut, which came out how far after the movie was. I'm pretty released. sure it was like early two thousands, two thousand two or three. Okay. Yeah. So it was a re-release. Um, 20, 20 extra minutes. And this is the director's preferred version of the movie, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, and I think for for, for me, I, I didn't dislike it at three hours. I thought it was mm-hmm. good. Um, and, and I think it adds a lot to it. I think, you, you know, you're getting more into the character. of the, Instead of music being a character, it mm-hmm. certainly gets into that more. And uh, one final thought, too, I think, is that I think it's very timeless in the sense of it's a period piece. Everything looks, you know, and it doesn't, nothing looks 80s until. Doesn't feel dated. Nothing feels dated until they take off their wigs and they have this big, poofy 80s hair. And it's, oh. it's fantastic <laughs> 80s hair. And I'm like, oh, he stepped you, off. You have to be talking about like Tom, Tom Hulse. Tom Yes. Like he, but, yes. But if you look Even at his pictures, wife, too, I think. If you look has. at paintings of Mozart, he did have, I mean, so in some pictures he had like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Kind of yeah. But still, I think just knowing it was like the 80s. I actually, I didn't even know what year was going into it. And I think this has to be mid 80s with that. 84, yeah. Pompadour he's got going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. What do you, what do you so, think? So, Mike, when you were alive in the 1700s. Mike. That's Dave. That Sorry, is Dave, Dave over there. Yeah. When you were alive in the 1700s and lived and saw Mozart perform, <laughs> what are your thoughts? How on accurate was this movie? You know, oh, it's like just... someday they're going to make an Oscar winning movie about this man. <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold, they're going to invent the movie just to make a movie about I've him. I lived long enough to see that movie. Well, I'm assuming since you chose this film, you like it quite a bit. Is that is that true? Yeah. I mean, this is one of those ones where I was like, what movie haven't I seen in a while? And, I, and Amadeus popped up. <laughs> I own the DVD. It's... Um, it's something I'd, I'd seen on cable as a kid, and uh, but I never saw the whole thing. I would I always remember uh, the, the scenes that stuck out to me as a kid on HBO were um, the scenes of him as an old man, like the makeup, and I think the makeup really still holds up really yeah, well. Of, yeah. of uh, F Murray, of, I'm just calling him Murray. Of, 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 of let's call him Salieri because F Murray. It's it's, it's hard. I don't know why F. Why F. Is it Frank? Is it Francis? I mean, why is it William H. Macy, not just William Macy? Pay yeah, the man some respect. Why is it killed Mozart? Middle initial is more traditional. Okay. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I, th- I feel awkward saying F. Murray is what I'm saying. a billion uh, people. Well, Salieri's makeup is terrific. F. Scott Fitzgerald. It, it, still, looks, it still looks great. Uh, and I was watching a little thing uh, about uh, the process of what it feels like to go through putting on the makeup. And he's, he was saying that, um, you know, it actually makes you feel kind of old and tired. So it, it you know probably helped the performance somewhat. Anyway, that's what I remember as a kid. Were these scenes of him in the makeup uh, talking, and I don't remember, I didn't remember anything else. And eventually, as a teenager, I saw the whole thing on VHS and I fell in love with the movie. And um, 
I, I used I had a surround sound system set up in my bedroom, even even back then. I mean, next to your weight bench. Yeah, no, no, no. This is this is, <laughs> this is in high school, and uh, so I used to like blast Amadeus and the and I really liked classical music even in high school, um, and uh, my dad used to really be into classical music, so I think that probably helped. We, he played a lot of Beethoven, and uh, Mozart was something I didn't know too much about. And um, and uh, I just found this movie overall thrilling. The only thing that felt awkward to me was the fact that uh, everyone had American accents, or at least there was a mix of American <laughs> and British accents, which, you Italian know, accents. I, I feel like the writing and acting is strong enough that, yeah, in Italian accents, well, th- those guys were actually supposed to be Italian, I think. Right, but, yeah, they were. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, when I saw it, when I finally sat through the whole thing as a teenager, I was like, why? This is, movie is amazing. I mean, why didn't I watch this before? And uh, it's just kind of the kind of movie that I've always been able to pop in, you know, and there's something about just the look of the movie, the, the architecture, the, uh, the lighting, the composition, the, uh, and the story. I don't know. There's some, there was something I could, all, I could kind of latch onto with Salieri's, um, you know, uh, I, I feel like the reason this movie works is because there's something kind of elemental about that kind of jealousy, you know, that maybe... Yeah. It, it's not something that you, you that you feel, but I, I know I felt it a lot in my life. Where you, know, you, no matter how good you are at something, and this speaks to uh, I think people yeah, there's who, Ivan and I who are just really better at what we do. <laughs> <laughs> it speaks to people who who do what we do for a living, which is you know we we don't I don't want to say we create works of art, but we you know we're in the creative industry and we're and it's a highly competitive industry. And, um, yeah. you know, even, even back in, in high school, you know, I did a lot of artwork and, uh, you know, I had my VHS camera. I was making little movies all the time. And um, and you're always competing with, you know, I, I had this idea in my head that uh, I had to make a movie by the time I was 26 because Orson Welles had made Citizen Kane by the time mm. he was 26. You're so. talking about the thing. Like, I, I, I used to do this all the time. Like, I would look up you know, the Wikipedia page of someone I admired. I'm like, oh, they made their first feature when they were 25. I, there's yeah. no way I'm ever going to do anything great. Uh, I used to go to the library and go right to, like, the film section and, like, look at what people were doing at a certain age. You know? Yeah, and most of them was doing it at five years old. So no. if you can even imagine, or if I was it, or even younger, I don't know. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so you, you, you can imagine. So I yeah. can really, you know, identify with uh, Salieri's, you know, he's a villain, he's, but he's a... Well, especially watching it this time, I'm not 100% sure he's he's just a villain. He's... He's a villain, but there's all there's a lot of there are all, at least in the movie version there's a lot of scenes that make you feel like um, this man is actually a little bit sympathetic towards Mozart perhaps, um, and uh, at the end of the movie he's he's very um, aware of his own uh, contradictions so he's not you know he's he's a villain but I would say maybe ninety ten. No? Well, I want to talk about that when when Ivan's done with his uh, yeah. Well, I, well, yeah, I think that's probably the most interesting aspect of the movie actually, and we'll mm. get into that, but. Um, I'm not quite as hot in this movie as you guys are. Oh, I think it, um, it maybe Here we it's, go. maybe it's the version that I watch being this director's cut, which I think has um, um, too many notes in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Got I, I think that I think that the three-hour version could be cut down. And actually, after I watched it, I went I went and read this comparison article online that compares mm-hmm. the director's cut versus the mm-hmm. theatrical cut to see what was different and what was added. Yeah. And what I'm, was it? I'm curious. Um, they the scene where we see boobs was added. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's surprising that that didn't yeah. actually make the. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, other things too, like just everything was just a little bit expanded. Um, in the uh, Don, director's cut, uh, Don yeah. Giovanni was that longer than it had to be. No, it was mostly long. mostly like a lot of the confessional stuff was. Yeah, the, a lot of the confessional added. stuff. Oh, was see, charged. I loved. I thought his, yeah. his soliloquies in there were mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, but they were. They oh, were. Thank God that air conditioning went off. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, should I go turn that off? No, we, okay. we'll keep going. Okay. People listen to this show for the audio pristine audio quality. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about that. Sorry. <laughs> um, but the um, I okay, I. I watched this movie as a film fan, and I, like I said, objectively, I know this is a good movie. I don't quite know if it worked entirely on me. It's a movie that I watched incorrectly because I literally watched it in like four different sittings. Just I watched because, it in two. Because, oh, so. because I had a, like a half hour, and then my son started crying, and then I got back oh, to well, it like yeah, I know. It's... I got back like I got back to it like five hours later, you know. Yeah. But so, I, I watched is, it in two two part. I watched two hours and then another final hour, which so. is. Yeah. Which is, you know, probably not the way you're supposed to view this. So that's 
partially my fault. Um, but I will argue that the movie's got these very compartmentalized scenes, and it actually um, it feels like a movie that you can watch in fits and starts because certain scenes almost feel like complete little episodes. Yeah. And then you move on to another mm. little episode, like he's he's writing the Great Requiem. That's like an yeah, episode, yeah. and then he's uh, he's writing the, the the opera. You know, that's when the first meeting of C- Salieri. That feels like an mm. own little short film and stuff right. like that. So I think the movie does kind of work in that way. Um, the issue, I think, is you talk about Salieri being a villain, and I, I think that's true, but I also don't think there's a hero to this movie, because it's not Mozart. Um, no, it is. I, I think maybe not in the traditional sense, but he is definitely a hero. He's likable. He's sympathetic. I don't he think he's likable, though. It, I think he's he comes off as a foppish annoying incredible like you understand why he annoys Salieri yeah oh um, yeah well and yeah. you mentioned the laugh Mike and that's it's annoying but I think it's intentionally supposed to be annoying like it's oh, supposed yeah. to be mm-hmm. like the most annoying thing ever I mean it's ever. supposed to it, like he had that in that scene where he comes in uh, and meets the uh, the king for the first time King, king George I think he uh, that laugh kind of the emperor the emperor sorry yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, he laughs and the whole room just goes silent he bristles like, yeah yeah <laughs> um and the film it has a lot of incredible scenes. It's stocked with amazing music. But at the same time, you have to really love watching these performances because there are certain sequences where you're watching whole pieces of classical and operatic music mm-hmm. on screen. Right. That's the only function being uh, to represent his genius in an aesthetic sense, mm-hmm. but not necessarily to drive forth plot or anything like that. But here, about that, like I, when I watch this movie, I don't, I'm not educated enough musically to really know what I'm hearing. Like when Salieri plays his music and when Mozart plays his, to me, they're the same thing. You know, I'm, I know they're telling me on the screen that Salieri is inferior, you know, but I'm, I can't tell. Well, the difference, and I think one of the points they're trying to make is that, uh, that while they sound maybe just as good, uh, Mozart is the music that that you probably recognize, or at least I recognize right. even yeah. back even yeah, back yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. a kid because, you know, that's Which the music that people... Which they express in the opening scene when he's talking to the priest and he hums, you know, a couple yeah, oh, bars. That's a, he's that's like, a oh, great, I, great sequence, yeah. I, oh, I know that song. He's like, well, I didn't write it. Which it, it shows you that, you know, the... So what's the purpose of creating great art, right? Uh, what's yeah. the point? And, the, and, you know, one argument you could make to make beautiful things is that you want to live on beyond yourself. I know that's, you know, I think that's one way you could look at it. I'm going to create something that will be remembered for all time. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, as is proved by this movie, Salieri doesn't do that, but mm-hmm. Mozart does. Mm-hmm. And that's the eternal struggle for uh, Salieri, um, which I think is very compelling. I think that this movie is really interesting for anyone, like you said, Dave, that has ever wanted to make anything. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, you talk about, you know, no matter whatever I do, all I see is everyone else doing it better than me. And like this is, you know, the two gentlemen I'm sitting with right now are both better than me. Oh, come what, on. No, I'm not, Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. it. It's true. But it's definitely true. And you, you see, and so it's not that like I'm totally envious, but I have a, a profound respect for that. And, um, and I think that, you know, Salieri's respect turns to envy and then hatred mm. that supposedly Mozart is the vessel chosen by God to express this kind of thing. You know, it's interesting. So I don't know. Something I did see, I don't, I don't know if I was looking too much into it or uh, I see what you guys think. I seemed, I, it seemed like there might have been a final turn in that, in that, um, that interaction where the two of them are talking and the scene when he's too sick to write down is hilarious. Yes. Right. And so I, I think it might be my favorite scene. In the movie. Oh yeah. The two of them are finally it's like, kind it's of like, like the scene together. that really sells the movie where it's like, this is our big finale. Where, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a great scene. And the whole. two of them, he, he's dictating the notes and Salieri's trying to understand as he's writing it down. He's like, of course. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, there's a really great moment of, of like interplay between the two of them. And you can kind of see like his appreciation and understanding. Right. And how they're really working together, even though it's really Mozart writing it down, like mm-hmm. Salieri, can understand it. He can right. kind of talk with him on it in a term that probably no one else can. Right. It's working on a lot of different layers, right? It's yeah. like Salieri's uh, definitely taking advantage of Mozart. He's he's not literally killing him, but he's he's not, I mean, you know, a, a good person would be taking that that him to a doctor, right? And, right. And, and well, see, what's him interesting care. is but, I, I wonder, I wonder but if... Mozart wants to be working, you know? It's like he wants to be doing what he's doing. So, right. And so that you see them really kind of coming together and um, and it's, it's really, it's a... Um, it really shows you what it's like to actually create something. That's what I really like about that scene. Is like it it starts from the beginning, it, you know, it, it yeah. uh, and then you know it starts with just part of the music, and then a little bit more of the music, and they show how it's layered on, and they show the enthusiasm that both of them have 
for doing what they both love, even though they're kind of rivals. Well, what's interesting is, and I wonder at the end there, like I, I almost wonder if he has a change of heart in that moment where I think maybe he, if he did indeed poison him, which I think mm-hmm. the movie is claiming he did, right? Well, no, the movie's not saying, the movie, the movie didn't say, but it, you have the that scene just in the saying that he worked him to death practically. And then he says that, you know, in that final scene when they show the priest, he says, your, your God decided to kill Mozart instead of let me have share a little bit in his glory. Or right, right, right. So there's no poisoning in this movie, but um, well, I mean, I agree with you. I think there may be right the fact that he drives. I feel like there's there's a, it seems to be a change of heart almost toward the end, especially when he's telling him like, "Hey, thank you. I really appreciate that." I, I feel like there's something happening inside Salieri, um, and even to the point where he tells he tells what's her name when his wife tells him to leave. He's like, "I don't mm-hmm. leave until he tells me to leave." Right. It could just be the fact that he knows Mozart won't tell him to leave because he's too addicted to his work. Mm-hmm. I wonder if part of him is also kind of it is. It seemed like almost out of loyalty or something to him, like. We're working on something here. If he wants me to go, I'll go. But mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of makes me wonder that maybe he has some some form of regret. I mean, if he's yelling, you see in the beginning, if he's yelling about how, lamenting the fact that he ended up killing mm-hmm. Mozart, it makes you wonder: did he actually, in some way, regret? I'm sure he does regret it in some ways. He's not that you know, he's a complex character. I think he kind of uh, probably did have some regret mm-hmm. in some way. But um, it's quite possible yeah. Mozart would have died regardless. I mean, yeah, in, exactly. In, you yeah. know, in the in the context of this movie, in real life, I'm sure he just died because he got sick. So right, yeah. Um, I wanted, anyway, I, I, mean, I think I cut you off before. I think you were still no, going. No, I, I ramble all the time. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, so I guess I guess what, the way I look at this movie, and obviously it's well made. It's a, it's a prestige picture, I would say. You yeah. know, mm. like uh, it's the kind of movie that Oscar loves. It's it's got yeah. it's got yeah. men in costumes, really fancy costumes. Yeah, there's fancy really, hats. There's, there's elaborate <laughs> sets. I mean, there's the but, woman that walks in with a ten foot hat on. And it's hair. a big but huge I, production, right? It's yeah. a huge production, but. As a period piece, I think it feels inc- like you mentioned that. Oh, it didn't feel '80s. I think it feels very modern, and mm. and just the way they talk. Mm. Even it's not even the um, it's not even the accents I'm referring to. It's the way their sentences are structured feels like a modern day film. Like a lot of the facial expression, a lot of the, a lot of lines are delivered without saying any words. Like you see the emperor's face, the way he re- reacts to things. The guy mm. with the uh, I don't know what he is, the Italian guy with the. The small glasses. His he has facial. I mean, a lot of the lines are just said without even being said, and they, they just feel very modern in that sense, like very mm-hmm. subtle. And, and I can. Um, uh, I think. Are you are you saying it feels like anachronistic? Like it doesn't. It feels fit anachronistic, in. and yeah. I think it feels intentionally anachronistic. Yeah. Um, and and if you look at all the goofs on IMDb on this movie, apparently, like they're using stuff that hadn't been invented yet, and like stuff that you know makes it. So you remember uh, this is kind of off topic topic, but you know Sofia Coppola's movie. Um, Marie Antoinette. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of in that same ballpark in a lot of ways where that mm-hmm. movie is doing a lot of very modern things but doing it in an old time and this feels like a movie where everyone's dressing up um it feels very theatrical. They're mm-hmm. dressing up but mm-hmm. we all know oh this is really not uh, an accurate representation of the 1700s. Right. And, and um also I got the distinct feeling when watching this movie <laughs> This is the kind of film I feel like if you had a lazy music teacher in high school that would put this on for yeah. like four or five <laughs> class periods <laughs> just to watch to like kill time. Because it feels like a movie I would have watched in school. I don't yeah. know what that is exactly. Oh, and I know man. that sounds like I'm totally insulting the movie, but maybe that has to do with this compartmentalized nature I'm talking about, this, this way that everyone kind of talks in an anachronistic fashion. Like, you know what? I can show this to my middle schoolers and they're going to like Mozart after they watch this. And it's intriguing enough that they'll find something to really... Uh, it's not intriguing. It's accessible enough that they'll be able to find something to latch onto. Because this is a movie that I feel like that isn't... It's not super highbrow, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's not some arty, farty, in, like super super hard movie to get into. Like mm-hmm. you could show yeah, this not, to it's your not ad- Shakespeare. <laughs> it's not Shakespeare. Right. It's language of the common people now, uh, you know, representing a, a story from back then, right. which I think is an in- important distinction. Like I think you could show this to someone regardless of, you know, how much of a film fan they are and regardless of it being very long. And I think that they would actually be engaged by it, which is interesting. Um, when I going into this, I thought this was going to be like a total slog. Like, I thought I was going to have to, you know. Art house. Kinda, you thought this yeah. was going to be a slog. I thought it was going to be like the ultimate art house picture. Oh, wow. Like I pictured it to be like like me just writing I hate Dave on my notebook <laughs> the entire time. And it wasn't that. I think I, I actually. Only, that, yeah, look, you only wrote is, it like two times yeah, a year. I yeah. think they make classical music about as entertaining as you can make That's it what I'm movie. trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's I a mean, more succinct They really make saying. it thrilling, you know. Um, and they really make you feel the, even the physicality of it the way that same a movie like Whiplash last year made me feel the, the physicality of drumming and 
and, and music academies and that kind of stuff. They really make you feel the, um, you know, the editing and the music in this movie are really just, it's it just so precise and so well crafted the way, you know, they, I, I don't know how many movies before this were doing, you know, just the way they would frame Mozart in, in the, mm. um, in the, um, the auditoriums. Yeah. And, and uh, you know the way they would cut to close-ups of the opera singers, and and you know, it, it's just it, it, they make it feel really dynamic and it, exciting. It, it is. I mean, the, there's like I said, impeccably crafted. I mean, the cinematography is amazing. Again, these these expansive rooms, which cannot be easy to light. You know, yeah. it's just that, all like that millions of candles. They actually yeah. lit those places with. There candles, was some guy know? on set oh. whose job was to just light candles. Yeah, <laughs> and and firemen standing by. <laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> so um I want to get into this idea of um the rock star. I want to talk about the idea of the rock star. So we as a culture tend to idolize people that live hard and die young. Yeah. And I think um, that Mozart is is a prototypical example of that. And, and I wanted to expand upon that. Is he are they glorifying this sense of genius? Is it I guess the question I want to phrase to you all, is it better to be a genius and live for a short period of time or to be an average Joe and live a long life? Like where, what, what is the, the, the bastion of humanity? Like what makes us, you know, I'd say, I don't know if I'd say it glorifies it. I, th- I think it's definitely pointing that out. I feel like we see that so many times, um, uh, in culture, like pop culture now, but I, I don't know if I'd say they glorify it here. I don't, I don't, cause you said like, it's not like he's. At least you felt that he wasn't super likable all the way through. And I think I feel the same way. You can kind of see his shortcomings. I don't know if it's necessarily anyone... In the movie, I don't feel like, man, that's right, he went out. Like, they didn't romanticize it too much. I didn't feel like he went out with a bang. Like, that's how you do it. Yeah, that guy's awesome, Well, maybe, you know? I'll, maybe I'll phrase it like this. In the um, the context of biopics, movies like Ray and... Um, I'm trying to think of other movies that are very similar in that elk... A walk, um, what's that? Walk the Line? Walk the Line. <laughs> um, all these movies recognize the flaws in their heroes, these yeah. musical heroes, that they're not perfect people. But I think the argument being that their music was so good, it doesn't matter that they were kind of dicks mm-hmm. because they contributed enough just by being so awesome musically. And do you right. think that's saying, do you think this is saying that about Mozart? Uh, I don't I don't know if it's, to be honest, I don't know if it says that about, maybe it does. I, I feel like it's more of just, it, it's not necessarily saying anything good or bad. It's just, this is what it was. This is how it is. And this it tends to be, and I think there's probably something about that. I think the more broken you are as a person, I think the more capacity you have for real artistic expression because it probably comes from a lot of that internal. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be a little bit, I'm going to be a little bit confessional here and, and say that. Dave is gr- a genius. And no, because. I'm saying that, that growing up, I always thought I wanted to be, I, I always, we had talked about Orson Welles and Citizen Kane. I thought like in order to be a event, at some point in my life, I realized that in order to be a really great artist, for the most part, you have to have had some uh, conflict and trials yeah. and tribulation in your life. And my life was just always just good. You know, yeah. like, you yeah. know, like I'm not saying you can't make good or great art coming from, from, uh, from, you know, a good life. Right. And parents that stay married and, and nothing really bad happened to you. But you're but right. Like all like these artists that of... we, that we really admire and the ones that become famous and timeless seem I to have terrible childhood seem to have <laughs> like, you know, you think about like, Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, like you, I mean, that's maybe a good comparison. Kurt Cobain and, and Mozart, right? They, they both yeah. lived fast and died young, or whatever, and uh, their legacies carried on at least so far, at least a couple decades yeah. after. But um, no, I think, but I think I've always believed that, that like in order to really, and I agree with this, I think a lot, a large majority of my life was very easy and mm-hmm. life was okay, and I don't think I really appreciated music until I started understanding like pain, like mm-hmm. the, the, you know, as mm-hmm. you're getting older, you start experiencing things that are more difficult, and the, you know, you, you experience more of this pain that you can appreciate appreciate beauty much more mm-hmm. um and i think it kind of like experiencing the whole of life and everything that, that it entails uh, and its difficulties i think makes you appreciate and potentially um more creative or makes you you know able to express that that condition more right i think that in watching this film i've come and this isn't even talk about the stuff that i create but in watching this movie i looked back at the movies i liked 10 years ago mm-hmm. and one of the reasons i'm doing th- this show is I like totally different movies than I did 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. I look at my taste in college and I had terrible taste in movies. Like I I had like legitimately bad taste in movies. Like I liked I liked things that were, you know, I liked things that weren't hard to think about, really, you know? Mm-hmm. And now I've gotten to this age where I don't like when things are super sweet mm-hmm. and I don't like mm-hmm. when things are saccharine. Like I used to really buy into that kind of stuff. I used to be this huge Cameron Crow guy mm-hmm. in the sense that like I used to like I even like movies like Elizabeth Town back in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like now it's it's just like 
it's just like I, I feel like I've become a darker person. I think that that sounds awful, but I just no, feel I like... I don't think it's darker. I think you're just more aware of like the reality, the harsher realities of life. So when things seem too sweet, it's almost not authentic because you're like, well, that's not always how it works. Like right. that. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, certain things are too saccharine. I get, I get annoyed by it because I'm like, this doesn't really happen... But we're not really answering your question. Your, your, your question is like, why do we idolize these kind of people? Oh, well, yeah, maybe. I think, yeah, why do we? Why do we idolize these people? Is it just because they're so good at what they create? And we've all longed to be that good at something? <sighs> I don't know. It's, something it's, it's, about a, it's the... a tough question, I guess. I mean, because uh, it's like I, I, I recognize that I do. Like, uh, I love so many of these artists that, that, uh, that have had kind of rough lives and created great art. But... But you, I guess my argument is, but you never want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't well, you rather just... I, no, I, I agree. It's like, I definitely prefer to be the guy who lives long and, and, and relatively happy and not, and not you know, create anything I think, memorable. I think it's over. Because I, you're I, not going to be around to remember it, you know? But I think also, <laughs> I think there's something about it. Is because I think it's easier to idolize or, or put that person on a pedestal because you never see their decline. Like, a lot of major, like, people who are brilliant in their time, you see them recently like, as they get older, and they're not quite as good because either they've run out of ideas or... Right. Creativity, you know, like, there's something about creativity and youth that kind of are intertwined, in my, at least in my opinion. Right, it's I like agree, the, yeah. the great artists typically do their best work in their, you know, early, early life. Yeah, and that's not to say that they're still not... I mean, there's certain bands, I, I think U2 is still good, but if you compare it to their mm-hmm. older stuff, it's, I mean, it's U2 nowhere... U2 was one of my favorite bands growing right. up. Right, and so. I'm saying, we, that's what I'm saying, it's a point, I still like their stuff, but if you compare it to their original, I mean, they, they were they were a revolutionary in a way, right? Yeah. You look at the stuff they're doing now, and it's like, well, it's not... There's something about that. When we see someone like Kurt Cobain, we will never see Kurt Cobain making music that's just okay mm-hmm. or not quite as good as his old stuff because right. he's gone. You know, right? Well, he, um, yeah, and it's like when I hear and, and he was one of those people. I think what he he wrote a, a suicide letter that said it's better. He like quoted a Neil Young song that said it's better to burn out or it's better to burn out than fade away. I think, and and, yeah. and the idea being that he, it's better to go out with a bang than than just kind of get uh, less and less. Um, uh, meaningful or, or yeah. meaningful to people as, as the years pass on. So, you know, and, and, and the tragic thing about him is that he was like partially right. It's like he's, his, his, his music is, uh, feels, um, maybe more raw and real to some people. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, essential because of the, it, it, it kind of comes, it comes hand in hand with the fact that he, he committed suicide, you know, and left right. you know, in a really awful way. And, I, I just uh, think it's, I think it's, I would. I agree. I'm with you. I would much rather choose a long life, but I think it, it makes it harder to idolize people and put and make them into these like icons and these rock gods and these rock stars when you see them become human. When you see them become, you know, slowly. I think that's why we have these legends. You know, if Mozart, who knows if Mozart would have kept going, if would we have always known all of this stuff, or would he eventually had the same thing? I don't know. Who knows? But well, uh, one thing I really admire this movie for doing is um, when we think about this time in history or at least the cliche of it, it's all very proper and pristine. But this is a very vulgar movie in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways. I mean, there was a lot more flatulence in this movie than I was expecting. <laughs> uh, any actual flatulence? I thought there was talk of it. No, no, no. Once. There is a scene where they, like, it's Mozart's butt on camera, and it's like a full-on, <laughs> like, it's the joke punchline. He just lets one rip. Right. It's, a, it's, scene really, the, it's a scene in the movie where they're at a party. And, and he, like, and they lift Mozart up, and he's playing, like, upside right. down. Yeah. He just oh, lets yeah, it. Yeah. He's doing kind of party tricks. So in the history of farts on camera, Amadeus is in the conversation of great flatulence scenes. <laughs> I was just looking at this recently, how many, the movies over time where they've included fart. The first fart on camera, I think, was uh, the Western movie, Mel Brooks, uh, Blazing Saddles, I think, had the first... No, no, no. So? Sorry, right. They had the, the most farts on camera. Most the most scene with the, they broke a record the, the or something. Bean, the the yeah. bean scene, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Amadeus is in that heralded conversation, I would say. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I, but I, yeah. and, I, and I joke, but I think that it's interesting. This movie is showing you a very grimy, dirty side to it as well. Uh, yeah. Of living in this yeah. time period, the fact that people mm-hmm. are all, have always been human. Mm-hmm. Um like, you know, people back then still had to go to the bathroom and do all kinds of stuff that we right. do now. And I, I think that we often forget about mm-hmm. the the grittiness of life. Right. Even when they were playing, you know, they wore extensive pink wigs. And I guess that's what they're they're trying to do. Uh, what they're trying to show, I think, visually in the movie is they're trying to show that uh, that Mozart's life is very different than Salieri's. Right. Mm-hmm. Salieri is at the time a very, very successful musician. And uh, he's he's kind of living uh, the life of a, of a of a wealthy person, right? He's got servants that answer the door for him. His rooms are bigger. He's got pupils. He's got 
um, you know, a much bigger place and much wider influence. And Mozart's mostly stuck in this little kind of apartment with his <laughs> wife. They you know, can't. They have no servants. They have no, right, mm. they, they they have no servants until one is paid for anonymously by uh, Salieri. But um, anyway, yeah. So I mean, they do a lot of interesting visual things to kind of like you know show the differences between the two guys and um, you know just. The way the way that uh, that we haven't mentioned the director Milos Forman Milos Milos Milos, Milos, Milos Forman. What else has he done? He's yeah. one flew of the cuckoo's nest. Right. Oh, hey, he hasn't made that many movies, but the movies he's made have, have typically been nominated for a lot of awards. Uh, so, well, People vs. Larry Flint was the last one that he made that was nominated for a lot of stuff. Man on the Moon, I think. Got Man, some on, love. Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey. Well, they reused um, uh, the actor from uh, the guy in the very beginning with the candelabra who finds what's his name he, committing suicide. I can't remember that actor, but he's very bizarre looking. Yeah, yeah very and, sunken eyes. Yeah. And he's yeah. also in Cuckoo's Nest too. He's yeah. one of the guys in there. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Cuckoo's Nest is famous for one of being one of the few films that have, that went that won director, actor, actress, screenplay, and uh, like the top five. I forget and movie. Wow. So um, yeah. and Amadeus won. Uh, I don't know everything <laughs> that was nominated for that year. Now, All really, the awards. It, was, it really did. I mean, it, we're talking yeah. about like if we saw a movie nowadays that took everything, mm-hmm. that's what happened in 1984. Right. And the thing yeah, for yeah, me yeah. about Amadeus is it like watching it now, it still for the most part really holds up as like an honest to goodness classic. I mean, it's you know I was looking at the, when Sight and Sound had their top 250 uh, films, Amadeus isn't was enlisted in, in the top 250. I personally I would put it in there, but. But well, uh, I mean, it, it really to me you would not. Or you it, would. It, as as far as movies that have would. won Oscars for Best Picture, I feel I feel like this is in the conversation of like the very best of those Oscar winners for me at least. Well, let's talk about some of the flaws here. Okay, and I think yeah, one yeah. of them is uh, Constance Mozart. Nah, I don't know. Did, did oh, her, she's okay. You, she was you, fine. I thought her performance was real bad. No, no, no. I thought she was good. I I really I could, did I could not see. Like I, I, you know what? I could maybe see what. Your, your There's something about the way, and maybe it's just her. She has like almost like a New York, mm-hmm. a New York she, style accent, which isn't her fault necessarily. She, she was replaced at the last minute. Meg Tilly was the original actress oh, in that role. That's interesting. Jennifer Tilly's sister. Um, I just I did not, I didn't like her. Yeah, <laughs> well, and she mm-hmm. but she didn't, she didn't strike a chord for either of you at all. It didn't really bother me, me, you know. She didn't know she didn't bother me. Uh, Is it because of her cleavage, Mike? <laughs> because she has well, an ample bosom. But, yeah, 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 she does. <laughs> well, yeah. I like uh, that part of the movie. <laughs> See, I think if you were actually focusing on her acting, maybe you would feel differently, but I don't think you were. No, I just, I just something about her performance felt very, I don't know, it just either one, one note, note or simplistic gonna, yeah. or... Maybe simplistic, I can see. But I can see that, but yeah, it didn't bother me though. It wasn't, yeah. I feel like, I mean, yeah, again, it's like that she's in it, I guess she's in it quite a bit, but uh, she's... It's so focused. She's definitely in it quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, well, she's but they're focused enough on on the things that really work that it, it you know that it definitely didn't pull me out of the movie. Her performance. I mean, if if everyone had British accents and everyone you know, and she was the only one, she with pulled an a Kevin accent, Coster in the yeah, Prince of Thieves, right, right, right. And then that kind of, that kind of thing wouldn't bother me. But she, for me, she blended in. I mean, Tom Hulse had a, an American accent. F. Murray Abraham had, for the most part, an American accent. Um, you know, he was doing some type of cadence or or, or work, uh, something with his voice where it didn't it wasn't quite. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you would how you, what you would actually call this. You know, kind of a stilted way of speaking. It's a very um, you know, like I'm going to talk like this. And, oh, very proper. Very proper. It, like it, it sounded yeah. proper. Or affected. Very. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about Tom now? I'm talking about no, no, no. Uh, uh, F. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, okay. he's, he's he's not a British actor. He's an American actor. He's like a New York guy. I don't know why. You know, he's like he was like a theater actor up until this movie came out, and uh, and he was I think he had been in Scarface and a couple other movies. Really? And uh, well, it's fitting that he's in a very theatrical movie because yeah. you can't mm-hmm. you can't call Amadeus subtle in any way. No, in no. fact, every performance is probably more akin to a performance you would see on stage. They talk about how theatrical acting is uh, very big, and I feel like everyone's still retaining that theatricalness in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that's intentional. And it was written by the playwright, right? Peter Schaffer. 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 Um, okay, so let's go around, Robin, and do your favorite scene. Um, oh, I've already... I think that between the... Uh, I think between the two of them are kind of come. Uh, so you pick the, the ending scene where he's yeah. where he's writing Requiem, right? Yeah. And they yeah. layer it by... You know, it starts with the... Um, just like the tempo or something, and then he starts with the chorus, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then it's like the way they build up to it. Then you finally get to hear that that final piece of music put together, and they cut to like that cart, the um, mm. carriage, 
you know, uh, and just, oh, it's, yeah, beautiful the other, stuff. I mean, the other good scene, though, gosh, when he's, when he, uh, when she comes to visit, uh, Constance Mozart comes with, Mozart comes mm-hmm. with all the, uh, anytime he reads the music, I, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that end scene. That's for me, that's my favorite one. Well, for me, the best scene in the movie, if by far, is the scene, <laughs> I mean, if, no, 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 I'm saying, <laughs> sorry, no, okay, Knowledge sorry, dropped I, I phrased that the wrong way, I, I didn't mean, to, I'm sounding like Mozart, like, that's the one thing I loved about Mozart's character, is the way he was just completely oblivious good. to the fact that he was being, that's the thing about Mozart's character, just as a little side note, uh, in this movie that made it a little interesting for me is that he's completely oblivious to the fact that he's kind of a dick, right? He just, he just yeah. he, he's just that way, right? He just, he says things, he's not trying to insult anybody. He's not trying to be... Yeah, like me. He's not aware that he has like a massive <laughs> ego. He just says, you know, someone says like uh, something about being, um, he's like, you're just one of many composers in Vienna. He's like, but I'm the best, you know? It's like, he did, it, it doesn't... He it, has no social tact. Right. Mm. He's not saying it because he's trying to insult someone. He's saying it because he honest. I mean, he's he, he really wants to create. He really thinks he's the best. He wants to be the best. Um, Wait, and, so which scene are they, you? Yeah, which so are you so about? that's a side note. So, oh, my, my, oh my geez, we didn't even get to the scene yet. <laughs> my, <laughs> my favorite scene is the one where uh, Elizabeth Barrage, who plays his wife Constance, comes to uh, Salieri's office or oh. wherever he's teaching with these original uh, musical That's, that's com- what I started saying. And, then I, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and the way that they build up to that scene where they're just sitting and eating and talking and he's being charming and then he's like, he realizes that he has originals in his hands, right? And he's tapping. He's like, these are originals? And she's like, yep, he never makes copies. And then the way they just have the confessional version of Salieri talking over just the way yeah. Abraham, just his reaction to the music and the way he's able, they're able to kind of use music to connect the past and the present you know, uh, cutting between the two is just seamless, and and his performance. I mean, to me, that that had to have been what won on the Oscar. That scene is, uh, mm-hmm. and he drops is just right amazing. There on the the, floor, car, yeah. like the way he's acting as as the old man and, and and remembering it and hearing the music, you really believe he's hearing that music in his head, mm. and then you you believe that this is a person that could look at notes on a page and just completely blank everything else. Everything else around him becomes meaningless, and he's just you know stuck in. I mean. Uh, I, I can't imagine looking at just notes on a page and that's, just actually yeah. hearing the music. I mean, and that's the, I was actually so my girlfriend plays violin, um, mm-hmm. and I was talking to her about that because I don't. I am not a, uh, a musician. I don't know. Can you look at notes and just hear music? Is that just like no? But I was she, she can. She, said she could, uh, probably anyone that's doing one uh, instrument can do that with one part. Right. But to look at a whole page and see all the parts going at one time, probably you need to be much more trained to be a, 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 right. a composer or a um, conductor, something like that. It's like the equivalent of a, like a, a web programmer today looking at code right. and like being able to visualize what that code is actually going to look like on a page yeah, or, yeah. or looking maybe an animator looking at keyframes and saying, yeah. oh, I kind of know what the, the, the tempo of the scene is going to be in, in, a, yeah. in an animation. So it's interesting to see that and just... Mm-hmm. For me, that's the scene that sums up the movie. That scene and your, the scene you were mentioning, you're talking yeah. about, were the two really standout scenes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I have two totally different ones. Right. Oh, you, you, he's it. giving us two, two for one. All right, go for it. Well, the one scene I think is like the like my I think the most entertaining scene in the movie. Like I, I watched that scene, like that scene was dope. Mm-hmm. Was um, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. Um, <laughs> I think Salieri mentioned that after you listened to the first uh, the, song. He was like the oh, 2010s babe, version of Mozart was dope. <laughs> <laughs> the scene I'm uh, when he. When uh, Mozart first comes into the court and Salieri has composed... Salieri? Salieri has composed, like, uh, a welcome song for Mozart. (laughs) And Mozart proceeds to rewrite it on the fly. And he doesn't really work, does it? He's like, wait a minute, that doesn't... What if we added this? And it's obviously better. And the thing I love about that scene is, Dave, as you alluded to, it adds a lot to Mozart's character where he's not trying to be a dick there. Like he's not trying to be an asshole, mm-hmm. but he is. Mm-hmm. He is being but his, one. His greatest uh, uh, allegiance is to the music. Yeah, he just likes music. music. Yeah, he just likes it yeah. so much that he's gonna. You know, it doesn't matter that he's insulting this guy like in front of him, mm-hmm. and you know, doing it like. And also just the craft of that. Haven't you always wanted to be so good at something? That you could that just you, on the fly. You could just be like, oh, I'm going to show you how to make this amazing. Like, mm. I've always wanted to be that guy. So I think that that scene stood out for me as like the most entertaining. Mm. Um, Especially real quick when, when you juxtapose that with the scene of him actually composing where he's sitting there struggling at the computer and he finally gets a note and he like turns computer? to Jesus. The piano. Piano. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And he looks up at the cross. He's like, he's like thank, oh, you. He's thank, like, thank you, Lord. Lord. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that one note. And meanwhile, <laughs> Mozart's. <laughs> he just like pulls it out of his ass. He yeah, just knows exactly what to do. Note. 
Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I think that I think that's just a great scene. That the, is a very good one. The the other one is I think the end is very effective. The mm. last the last sequence of the movie where it shows where Salieri is now. Yeah, he's in this mental institution amongst yeah. he, the only people that will ever think he is great. Mm. The mentally insane. He's being <laughs> yeah. wheel, he's being wheeled out in the darkness. And after and and this yeah, is it's a fantastic. End. It's, it's it's a great ending. Mm. And I, I, there were parts of the movie where I legitimately tuned out. And I think it was when they started going, you know, musical performances went on for longer than necessary. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, as, as they say in The Godfather, every time this movie I went out, they pulled me back in. And, <laughs> and it's the it's that end sequence. And also just this idea that we watched this whole movie. Talk, Salieri's talked this whole movie about how Mozart is a genius. And he has, um, he's created stuff that is almost uh, worthy of a deity. The voice deity. of God, he's yeah. the voice of God. And at the end of the day, he just is thrown into a mass grave. Yes, with yes. And that's the end of it. And I yep. think that is talking about the fragility of humanity. It's talking about how, what life is. Like, we can be the greatest thing in the world, but at the end of the day, we're all going to end up we're as mud and dirt and right. disgustingness. And I think right. that is... It is beautiful and how horrid that is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it made me contemplate my own mortality and what I'm doing and is anything worth it? And yeah. It's is very, it worth I, working, working 16, 18 hour day? No, it's not. Yeah, it's, yeah, not. it's a very... Live ex- your life and... That, and, uh, that image is very existential for me. And I think after I watched it, I was like, maybe I shouldn't work so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Start reading, like, have you even written See, your first you came opera? Out, you should like, love this movie. You came out with some... On, this could be a life-changing movie for you. Yeah. Um, I need to make way. a Requiem Mass after this. <laughs> I want you to go home and start composing. Um, a Requiem yeah. Video. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is where this movie really shines, those moments. And that's where you... That's where I was like, oh, I get it. This is why this is the movie mm. that is so well-acclaimed. Now, for being such a well-acclaimed movie, and we'll, we'll start to wrap up here, for being such a well-acclaimed movie, do you think this is a film that is still in the in the consciousness of a film? Like, is this movie talked about? Is this a movie that people see still? Is this a movie that is in, you know, uh, to, to steal from another ca- podcast, is this a movie that's in the canon? Is this a movie that you show people who want to learn about movies? Do you well, show- for me, yes, it like- is a classic. I mean, it, it's an honest-to-goodness classic. I mean, I, but as far as it being in the conversation, I guess... You know, possibly because Tom Hulse is pretty much retired from acting. I mean, he hasn't really, he, he was in a bunch of movies in the 80s. He was the voice of uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Right. And uh, F. Murray Abraham oh. has kind of gone on to just do a bunch of character parts for the most. I mean, he was in the Grand Budapest Hotel recently. And, he was. Oh, and, uh, check that and out. he was fantastic in that. Yeah. Well. So he, he's just one of those guys that, like, he owes his career to this movie, right? I mean, he he uh, has probably lived a, a very fine life. Uh, and he won the Best Actor Oscar. And, and, uh, that he hasn't really done anything. He was never nominated for another award uh, that I know of, at least. Um, but he's gone on to have, a, a, you know, just a very long career, you know. And, yeah, uh, and I think for for someone, I don't think I'm as well versed in a lot of like the you know Oscar winners mm-hmm. and movies. I think as you guys are, but um, if people aren't talking about it, everyone at least knows about it. I think any any person, like anytime I say like, oh, you know. Uh, Amadeus. Everyone knows that movie. I knew about the movie, mm-hmm. and I, I knew nothing about it. I remember seeing a trailer. I it's, can't think of a better movie about music and musicians. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Yeah. I mean, whether you're talking about the modern plush? music, <laughs> I don't know if it's better. I mean, it's 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 certainly in the. I conversation. think there are a lot of good movies about music. I music think, and musicians. Yeah, I think there are. Okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not in love can, with biopics, mm-hmm. but uh, I can think of the movie Once, which was my first date with Michelle. So I get yeah. a certain fondness Aww. for that movie Once. You ever seen Once? Yeah, Once mm-hmm. is a good movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, once a, it's, a, it's a good movie about making music too. So yeah, it's a good movie about the art of collaboration and creation. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, we're getting off topic. So but no, but <laughs> what about the topic? I mean, there's not that many great movies, in my opinion, about uh, music and making music. So I don't know. Uh, the beat that my heart skipped. Have you seen that film? I have not seen that. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Is it better than Amadeus? I think that I think it's hard to compare a movie of the prestige of Amadeus with a more mm-hmm. independent movie, kind of like that. I mean, Amadeus is a movie that has weight to it. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's a movie. When you talk about a movie like Amadeus, it's not like a. Let's say I wrote the script for Amadeus, and I'm not saying I ever could. I'm not that talented. But let's say if I did make right then, it's not like I could just be like, okay, let's go make this movie now. You don't just make Amadeus. You have to have a force of nature to make a movie like Amadeus. You have to have money and yeah. and, and long shoot schedules. How and apropos sets. of the uh, of the movie itself. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention was that there's something in this movie that reminded me of of 
well, I wouldn't have known this in high school, but what it's like to work with clients. Like I, oh, I, love, I love that they kind of bring that into too the, many notes has yes, been every single client yes. ever. <laughs> yeah. Could you? It's just too many colors. And, Can the, you and the way in the way he says to the king, he says like, and "What notes did you have in mind?" Yes, <laughs> something. It's like the kind of thing you always want to say. You may the clients listening out there where, where we love clients. I'll take, gladly take more of them. And, uh, but I'm sure our clients our, our clients have probably felt that way about other people, right? Yeah, they're watching the movie like, oh my God, this Everybody guy has a day. boss. Everybody's <laughs> got a boss. And, and to be able to, you know, to be able to told that the thing that you've worked so hard on and that isn't quite right. And it's, yeah, you know. yeah. Often art isn't created in a vacuum and there right. is a, there is a review process in everything. Right. Um, and yeah. you don't think about that with, with stuff like Mozart because you think like, wow, right. whatever he did was genius. Was and everyone, and everyone knew that. Accepted what right. he did. And then, um, people yeah. weren't ready for it at the time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, I understand that. <laughs> closing out this episode. Closing on out. I, I think I've said my piece. I've talked way too much this episode, and I apologize. No, uh, no this is great. What, what, yeah. Anything else you guys want to say about Amadeus before we finish off? Uh, what, one last thing I kind of want to touch on is that, like, and I don't know. Again, I don't know how accurate it was. I'd love to do more research on it. Um, but I think Amadeus's character, uh, Mozart. Mozart's character, is. I think it, it, it's very well explained. I think like it's very well developed. If you look at someone who was a boy genius and was you know toted around Europe by his father to play and perform, mm-hmm. I think it makes perfect sense why he is the way he is. I think as far as being oblivious, being dedicated to just music, and then the fact that he is basically a giant child because he had mm-hmm. no childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, that laugh like a, of his, like, what's that? Like a child star or something, right? Right. Well, I mean, his, he was, yeah. you know, his his He's Macaulay the Corey Culkin, Haim. Right? Yeah, the Corey Haim. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Or Macaulay Culkin <laughs> or something like that. The Corey Haim of musicians. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Mozart, <laughs> the Corey Haim of classical music. Oh my god. Um, but I just, I just think it's good, and I think they kind of touched on it a little bit, and you can kind of see how, you know, how he became the way he is, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I just I just think the character development on him and Salieri was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know enough about their past to understand why they are the way they are and how they get there. I would challenge you if they ever release a Blu-ray of the direct of the non-director's cut to try to watch it again and just see if it if it works any better for you. I think it would. It's the kind I'm of movie a, that I find like watchable over and over again. I am. Um, I could. Yeah, I could do it. I think. Uh, I think every time I watch a movie and I see a shorter version versus mm. the longer version, I, I always, always, like shorter, I always yeah. prefer the shorter yeah, version. Me too. So I, it's just, I don't know. And sometimes I think directors get in their own way, but that's mm. a topic for their, another They put discussion. too many notes in. There mm. you go. Yeah. There, exactly. There we go. So on that note. Oh. Woo. Zing. <laughs> Up high. Oh, there we go. All right. Mike. Where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, anywhere. Mostly lurking around chat rooms, leering <laughs> at you through. No, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Morandi or at MikeMorandi.com. David, go. Uh, Dave Glanz, G L A N Z on Twitter and DaveGlanzProductions.com. Did and we I, say what movie we're doing next week? We'll get there. Oh, sorry. And oh. I am Ivan Kander, and you can find me at Twitter at Ivan Kander and at um, and at Lucky9Studios.com. Um, so. Next movie that we were doing on this show is a Michael Morandi choice. What are you going to choose? <laughs> I already forgot. Did we say Forrest Gump? I think we said Forrest Gump. The Jerk, right? Oh, The, the jerk. jerk. Thank you. See, the this jerk. is why. <laughs> Wait, are you calling Mike a jerk for choosing Forrest Gump? No, or? we're going to do the Steve <laughs> Martin yes. film, The Jerk. Oh, okay. The okay. Jerk. Um, which I have never seen. I'm a big Steve Martin fan. I'd love to see how, you know, if this movie's going to be a... So uh, I'm the only one who will be reviewing this movie? That is yes, true. Yes, correct. Um, and I do want to get to Forrest Gump eventually. I uh, just, yeah, I'll uh, do that in my next I've one. I've just listened to someone talk... You know, I've listened to the Canon podcast talk about it. I don't want to do it right away because I feel like I'd just be cribbing yeah. a lot of their notes. And I think yeah. that... Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that right now. Are but we will, we will... Uh, we'll do that later. We will do Forrest Gump because I think that movie is... Uh, Fourth comes interesting for conversation piece. But anyway, The Jerk will be our next film. Steve in t- Martin. In time for Valentine's Day, a movie about... about nothing to do with Valentine's <laughs> Day. Valentine's Day. One thing well, about- I figured if we blew off Groundhog's Day, we may as well blow off Valentine's Day. One thing Day I too. like about this show is how cognizant we are about the theming and timing of episodes. It's very yeah, it's, it's our It's our hook, really. Um, uh, so finally, if you want to reach us on the web, you can do so at reviewedpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast. And of course, leave us an iTunes review. And guys, we can review our own show. Dave, I encourage you to do so. It's <laughs> oh, I not done that. do that. I you should thought, totally I thought, yeah. do it. It's so much fun. Oh, oh that's going to be I fun. I might do that. Um, right. And I think you should write some nonsense in there. Note and, to self. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we should all do. Uh, to close this out, Mike, can you please give us a uh, Mozart laugh? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty. <laughs> okay, that was pretty good. <laughs>
May I do right, this? So are we going to have a three-hour podcast? On... Uh, no. no. I need to get home tired. All right. Me too. <clears throat> Everybody? All right. Wait. Finish urinating. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Take it just, away. Just like they did in the 18th century. <laughs> urinate into little glasses. Little cup. Little cup. <laughs>